Our text this afternoon is John 11, verses 25 through 27. Twenty-five through 27, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After the sermon, let's sing hymn 56, stanzas 1 through 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is clear from the passage that we read together that the Lord Jesus loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. They were good friends. When Jesus traveled to Jerusalem, he would stay with Lazarus and his two sisters in Bethany, which was just a short distance away. We can imagine the good times they had. Jesus, the three of them, the twelve disciples, eating, drinking, talking deep into the night about the ways of the Lord. Maybe you have been there yourself. Good friends gathered together Sunday evening, Saturday evening, long good talks over food and drink. But one time when Jesus was far away, Lazarus became ill, deadly ill. The sisters sent word to their friend Jesus to, to let him know that Lazarus was seriously sick. Obviously their intention was that Jesus should hurry up and get down there and heal Lazarus. After all, he, he healed the sick. He drove out demons, he stopped storms, he even raised the dead. So he's their friend. They loved him and he loved them. Surely he would come down and save Lazarus from dying. But Jesus doesn't go. It takes his time. We would say he dragged his heels and he even knows that Lazarus is going to die. He says as much in verse 15 to his disciples, Lazarus is dead. He knows that by the time he gets there, Lazarus is not only dead, he will be in the tomb. It's a hot climate. You bury people the same day they, they die. And after a few days, you do not open the tomb because major decomposition has set in. And that was all fine with Jesus. There are some very unique things about this story. But as unique as the friendship between Jesus and these three brother and two sisters... It's also unique, you'd almost say bizarre, is that, is that Jesus didn't rush to save Lazarus. But what is not unique is Lazarus' death. That is something that has happened time and again to all peoples throughout history in all places. If we just think over the last 20 years or so here in the Edmonton area, and we could include Barhead and Irlandia, how many funerals haven't we had We've buried grandparents, we've buried parents, a husband, a wife, a child, a grandchild. And it was never, ever a natural thing. It always hurt, it always seemed so wrong, and it was always so hard to let them go. And so when we read about the, the death of Lazarus, Jesus' reaction to that, and even that he wept, we are more than intrigued. We 
want to hear what our Lord Jesus Christ will have to say about this and what he will do about this because if you're anything like me you need comfort too we need to have comfort when we face the death of a loved one now our Lord Jesus Christ makes one remarkable statement very early in the passage in verse 4 he says when he hears that Lazarus is sick this sickness will not end in death no it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it so the death of Lazarus will be for the glory of God and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a very important theme to keep in mind for this entire passage. What we are about to discover and discuss is for the glory of God. And that ultimately will also lead to comfort for all of us. We summarize our text in this way. Jesus Christ reveals that he is the resurrection and the life. We will see what he is, what he gives, and what he asks. In our first point, we're going to see what our Lord Jesus Christ is. Who is he really, and, and what is he? The context is important to understand this. We read in verse 17 that on his arrival in Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus was dead. He was in the tomb was in a major stage of decomposition. The friends that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha had from Jerusalem had all come down to attend the funeral and to comfort the two sisters. But then word, word came that Jesus was close. So Martha rushed out. And we read in verses 21 and 22 that she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And then follows what seems like a most bizarre discussion. Verses 23 and 24. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So when our Lord Jesus Christ says, Martha, I have comfort for you. Your, your brother will rise. She thinks he's talking about the last day of the world. When everybody will be raised from the dead, and Jews that day, they, they knew about the general resurrection at the last day. Daniel had said in chapter 12, verse 2, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. That was a teaching that the Pharisees drove home in, their, in that time, because you see the Sadducees denied the resurrection of the dead. Every Jew knew, every Jew had been trained that on the last day of the world, everybody will be raised up from the dead, some will go to the new heavens and earth, and the others will go to hell. And Martha assumed Jesus was talking about that. Now, brothers and sisters, we were not there, and we cannot see Martha's face, we cannot hear that the tone of her voice, we don't see her body language, but it sounds like Martha is majorly disappointed. She says, I know, I, I know he will rise again at the last day. But I'm hurting now, Jesus. If you'd been here, he didn't have to die. And you can raise dead people, can't you? Can't you do something now? It hurts so much that my brother is gone. Resurrection at the last day is wonderful. But do I have any comfort right now? 
This is the context in which Jesus Christ reveals who he is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. So we have here one of those famous I am statements of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we heard him say, I am the light of the world. And all those statements that Jesus used, I am, they are meant to get you thinking. Those are designed to grasp your attention and to make people think outside the box. You know, let loose their their preconceptions. Jesus says, think about who I am. Where did I come from? Where am I going? What am I doing here? What am I to you? I am the resurrection and the life. Those words are electrifying. Ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin, God said to Adam and Eve, you will die. You sinned, you will die. You are made from dust, you will return to dust. And since that day, every human being has died. And death, death hurts. You can attend the funeral of your grandmother. She can be 91 years old. It still hurts. Nobody says, well, that's life. That's just the last chapter of life. When someone you love dies, it makes you weep. It tears something out of your heart. It leaves an emptiness, an emptiness in your life, particularly if it is your husband or your wife or your child. People have told me that when your child dies, that you never, you never completely get over it in this world. The death of somebody you love very much is so painful. It is so empty. You can't talk to them anymore. You can't love with them anymore. You can't sing together anymore. It's all over. It is finished as far as this world is concerned. Therefore, it is absolutely electrifying when Jesus Christ says, I am, and then everybody's wits should be sharpened. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now we connect that with what we saw earlier in verse 4 when Jesus said, It is for God's glory that Lazarus died, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. The death of Lazarus, and then eventually his resurrection from the dead, is for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that Jesus Christ would go to the cross. He would hang there absolutely forsaken by both man and God. He would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would experience eternal death there in the three hours of darkness. He would feel hell and he would die. But in his death, He will pay for our sins. He will crush the power of Satan. And on the third day, he will be raised up in glory. You see, the glory of Jesus Christ, his glory is that he will die to pay for our sins. He will rise up, and with him he'll take all his people, leading them on a journey of glory straight to the new Jerusalem, to life, to having every tear wiped away from their eyes, and sin, pain, and death will be no more. 
our Lord Jesus Christ makes clear that what is about to happen in the death of Lazarus and his resurrection would be but a sign that would point to his own death and his own resurrection and the great victory that he would share with his people. The amazing thing is that Jesus Christ could say to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, even before he died and before he was raised from the dead. And you could say, that, that's, that's presumptuous. How could he say, I'm the resurrection and the life? He hadn't even died yet or been raised from the dead. But you see, he is the Son of God. Do you remember with, with Adam and Eve, when they fell into sin, God said to them, I will send you the seed of the woman, and he will crush the head of the serpent. Did anyone have any doubt that God would fulfill his promise? From the day he said, the coming Christ will crush Satan, and he'll do that by his own death, that gospel was a fact. God promised it. It was going to happen. And our Lord Jesus Christ could already say, well before he made the cross, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. You watch me, Martha, and you listen very carefully. I have tremendous comfort for you right here and right now. I will comfort you at the death of your brother Lazarus because I am the resurrection and the life. That brings us to our second point, what our Lord Jesus Christ gives. He says to Martha and to us today, he who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ is not denying here the reality of physical death. He says, though he die, yet shall he live. Lazarus died. And you know what? Even after Jesus did raise Lazarus up from the dead, some years later, he died again. And he went to the grave. And he decomposed. And that's where he still is to this day. Jesus doesn't say people will not die. He sticks to Genesis 3. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Death in the grave is a fact of life. This world is filled with graves. And in those graves are my parents and all my grandparents and, and friends and relatives, and you have the same. We all have people that we love. They are dead. They are buried. They are returned to dust. So what is Jesus Christ saying? Though he die, yet shall he live. We should understand that there are three kinds of death. There is physical death, which we just talked about. There's also spiritual death. We heard about this that this morning. Spiritual death is to be under the power of Satan. To be under the power of sin. You are spiritually dead to God. You are a slave of sin. And there's eternal death. Eternal death is the lake of fire, hell itself, where people will weep and gnash their teeth eternally. So when Jesus Christ says, though he die, yet shall he live, what kind of death and life is he talking about? A lot of people who assume that in this passage, Jesus Christ is talking about spiritual life or eternal life. You die, that's too bad, that's all over, but, but spiritually you've been made alive, and, and on the last day of the world you will be raised up from the dead. But in this passage, brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about more than spiritual or eternal life. He is addressing the power of physical death and what happens there. 
He even underlines this whole point by raising Lazarus from the dead. It is a bit confusing. Jesus, you say about Lazarus, though he die, yet shall he live? He's in the tomb. He's decomposing. He smells. He cannot sing. He cannot talk with you. We can't be together tonight and eat and drink and talk, talk deep into the light. It's all over. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is in the tomb. What possible comfort could you give us at the death of Lazarus? And still, Jesus Christ says, He who believes in me will live even though he dies. What could he mean? The rest of Scripture makes very clear what our Lord Jesus Christ means. When he was crucified, there were two people who hung on the cross on either side of him. They were criminals. They deserved to be there. They deserved to die. And they both were mocking him. But during the course of the day, the one man started to realize Jesus was for real. And by the grace of God, believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then we read, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Later on that day, the soldiers bashed his legs, and he died from shock, from blood loss. And when he died, he went to be with his Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. It is an amazing thing. That morning he was a criminal. He had one foot in hell. Before the day was over, when he physically died, his soul, his spirit, his being went alive and well to be with Jesus Christ in paradise, in heaven, where it is well. It is well with his soul. Similarly, the, the Apostle Paul, when he was rotting away in a prison cell, he writes to the Philippians in Philippians 1, talking about what he thinks will be his certain death. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So there's Paul in prison, rotting away, certain he's about to die. And he says, if I were to choose whether I could live or die, I would choose to die. Why? It is better by far because I, I can depart and I can be with Christ. Similarly, in the book of Revelation, we read in chapter 6 about the martyrs who came to life and are the souls under the altar in heaven who are praying. We read in Revelation 20 that those who die in their faith come to life and reign with Christ a thousand years in heaven. The thousand years is a time period between the ascension and the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what happens when a believer dies? Your body goes to the grave and it returns to dust. And that's not nice. That's not the way it was meant to be. Our bodies were not designed to die and to return to dust. That is a grim reality of the fall into sin. And we will have to wait till the last day of the world to get our body back. But at the moment of death, your soul, your spirit, your being, your personality, your thoughts, your memories, 
who you are goes through that door of death to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. After the sermon, we will sing hymn 56, which comes from 2 Corinthians 4 and 5, where Paul writes, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by hands. And Paul continues in that line. Just, just think of that passage when you or somebody you know is getting old or you have cancer and you have been told it's going to take your life. You are going to die. Your body, like, like a tent, it's old, it's worn out, it's rent, it's falling to the ground. Your body is coming to an end. It is about to die. It will go to the grave. It will decompose. Paul says not to worry. Don't worry about what you see. God will take care of that. What is unseen is amazing and glorious because when you die, God has something waiting for you, a building in heaven, a place, a room where you can be alive and well consciously with him to the last day of the world, and then you will get your body back. So you understand, brothers and sisters, what happens to a believer when he or she dies. When you die, you lose your body. And that is sad. That is a, it's a terrible experience. And indeed, we understand that what is called in theology the intermediate state, the time between death and the last day of the world, is not perfect because your body is in the grave. You have to wait to get that back. But meanwhile, in that interval, we are alive and well with Jesus Christ in heaven. Did you notice that in this passage that when Jesus Christ talks about the death of Lazarus, he says he is asleep because it's like falling asleep when you die. At that moment of death where people think it will be so terrible and it will be so frightening, actually very peaceful. And I, I've seen that many times when people do die. People of faith, maybe in the days leading up to the end, they have moments of fear and doubt and a lot of questions, but amazingly, there is peace at the very end. And at a certain moment, they close their eyes. They have fallen asleep to this world. This world is over for them. But death becomes a door, a door which Jesus Christ himself opens. He is waiting for us there. He greets us. There is light. He brings us into heaven where he wipes away every tear from our eyes. Pain, sin, and death will be no more. We will reign with Christ. We can pray with Christ. We can rejoice in heaven, also longing that the ones we have left behind in this world, that our Lord Jesus Christ will continue to protect them and also bring them to us one day. 
And for those who have died and gone to heaven, there is no more death. Jesus Christ says in verse 26 that whoever lives and believes in me will never die. When you pass through that door of physical death and be with Jesus Christ in heaven, there is not for you a still a judgment to come that might determine a different outcome. There is no second death. There is no eternal death. When you go through the door of death, it is life and it is joy. It only remains for you to get your body back on the last day of the world and you will receive that in glory. It's a tremendous comfort. If you've lost somebody you really love, we have widows here and widowers, people who have lost a parent recently, but you might also have lost your child or your grandchild. And that, that's, that's hard. That's difficult to swallow, difficult at first to accept. Only knowing that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, only knowing that he died for our sins and was raised in glory, gives us the hope and allows the tears to dry away to live in the comfort that the one we said goodbye to is alive and well in heaven and we will see them again together with our Lord Jesus Christ and so Jesus finally says to Martha do you believe this and she says yes Lord I believe that you are the Christ the son of God who is to come into the world now, there are some who question whether Martha really believed, especially later when Jesus said, roll back the stone from the tomb. Martha says, don't do that. He's been in the grave four days. Well, that doesn't sound like faith, does it? Brothers and sisters, you know that the disciples themselves at that time had a lot of struggles with accepting everything about our Lord Jesus Christ. Martha was also dealing with a very practical element. Four days her brother was in the tomb. Decomposition had set in. Open that stone. It would stink. It would be horrible. Don't do it, said Martha. But don't be too rough on her, brothers and sisters. She did not understand everything as clearly as we do who have a finished New Testament. Take her words at face value. Martha, do you believe? Like a child, she says, I believe. I believe you are my Lord, you are my Christ, you are my Savior, you are the Son of God. And that faith allowed her to embrace the truth, and the truth set her free. The thing is, brothers and sisters, do you believe? We live in strange times in a, in a strange world. There are so many people in our world who do not believe that there's any life after death. You die you don't exist anymore. Annihilation sets in. There are others who have a very shallow view of, of what happens to people when they die. Every time it seems that somebody gets killed or, or murdered in our city, people said he was such a nice guy. She was such a special person. I'm sure she is now with the angels. Maybe, I don't know, but you sure can't talk everybody into heaven. Jesus says, do you believe in me? And do you, my brother, my sister? We can talk very nice this afternoon about the comfort we have in life and death in our Lord Jesus Christ, but do you personally believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe he came from heaven as the Son of God to be born of a woman, 
to take your sins on himself and to die for that on the cross of Golgotha. Do you believe Jesus died for you? And is your life so totally absorbed by Jesus Christ that you have turned away from the love of all sinful things, whether it's immorality or the love of money, to say only one thing is important in my life, that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. If you can do that like a child, say, I believe in you, Jesus Christ, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, that you can understand and you can take for yourself the words, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Amen.